Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Happy Friday, everyone. It is March 3 of 23. It's 3, 3, 23 at 1103. Welcome to Elijah Streams. Uh, this is a prophetic moment, a prophetic time. Think of all the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Amazing time we're living in. We're going to go at a lightning speed to bring, because we have a lot to cover with Johnny Enlow today. Uh, but I want to quickly bring up, bring you all up to date on the development or what's in process with the Brunson brothers in those cases at the Supreme Court. So, and I'm going to read this to you. This is from the Brunson brothers. And this is called, they, they, they call it uh, Plan C. And this is, first of all, there have been reports going around that the U.S. Supreme Court is currently considering a hearing on our case to clear up any kind of confusion, the current and latest document docket information from the U.S. Supreme Court is that our second petition is still in the denied status. Now to Plan C. And next week, in, in all my research, I have never seen a third petition that the Supreme Court has allowed on the docket. Knowing that there might be a slim chance that we could yet succeed in getting a third petition to the scheduled to to be scheduled for conference, we have completed a third petition that contains new powerful information that we plan to submit within the next few days. And one more screen. And if the U.S. Supreme Court allows this to be docketed with a conference date, it may be the first third petition ever to be allowed by the U.S. Supreme Court. So we're asking you or you all to keep uh, up the prayers and go to brentsonbrothers.com to keep the letters going to help us make this happen. Once again, we thank you for your wonder, wonderful and continued support. I was listening to one commentator talk about this uh, today, and he was saying, we are in a multi-front, mini-front, instead of a couple of major fronts, like you think of a world war, there's Western front, the Eastern front. This is what some people call the thousand-front war, where we are fighting in the courts, we're fighting in the legislature, we're fighting in the executive, we're fighting in the legal, we're fighting in... You know, whatever it is, all these different, we're fighting in the physical in some rare cases. And uh, we need to be fighting. On, this is just one of the thousand battles that we are fighting at the same time. So just wanted to bring you up to date on that. All right, we're going to bring in Nathan French to talk about what's going on in the state of Washington. So you all know about the Asbury Revival. There's Nathan. Nathan, talk, so, you know, you, you haven't been to the Asbury Revival, right? But No. So talk about what's going on in your neck of the woods in Washington State. Well, we're having a move of God. We're having an outpouring. It's um, it's something that I think is going to be happening all over. But we've been praying and pressing in for for quite some time. Some of the people that are in the room with us were at Asbury, and um, some of my friends that are you know from other places in the country have been telling me about you know some of the similar things that are happening. People run into the altar, wow. uh, repentance and confession, and there's like a quickening and a and a deepening. And just the hunger has <laughs> the hunger has gone to another level. And so it's just been so good. I mean, we, we actually uh, last Sunday, we decided because it was so good, we're just going to open up Sunday evening, which we've never done. And really? so we opened up Sunday evening. It felt like we we're just riding a wave of God's glory. And so then we thought, well, we better just open up Monday night and we could do, you know, prayer and worship and let's just keep fanning the flame. It's like God's here. It's doing something powerful. And then we opened up Tuesday night and then we thought, well, it makes sense to open up Wednesday night because we had all our young people that were gathering anyway. And the Lord said, let the young and old come together. So we opened 
opened up Wednesday night for OIR, the Order Young Revivalists, and uh, we had young and old worshiping and praying and pressing in together. And then, gosh, we met last night. And uh, we're so we're meeting actually every day, which we've wow. never done. And so it's just it's, it's it feels like the Lord gave me a word. And I, I don't know if I sent this word to you. It was called the gold rush. And he showed me that people will come from all over the world to to be a part of what he's calling the gold rush of his glory. And so I've been preaching on that. But you almost don't want to say anything when the glory of God is so thick and yeah. the spirit of God is pouring out on all flesh. You just kind of want to let the spirit move and do what the spirit wants. But there's been definitely a lot of testimony and we're going to be putting those things out, but just people are being touched. They're coming in and, 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 and encountering God in a really deep and a powerful way and seeing all the young people coming from the colleges in our area. UPS is right next to us, uh, university of Puget sound. Um, there's a lot of colleges in the area. Uh, Cindy Jacobs, gave us a word she she says she's at our awaken the planet event uh, the last one we did at um lincoln bowl stadium it's a big high school stadium and she said the lord's gonna give you the colleges he's gonna give you the you know the <laughs> it was so anyway but it was a powerful word and yeah. and it's happening like where our young people are going into um these college campuses and they're walking around praying and the wow. oil of god is on that and i feel like there's things sparking with the young people in these colleges around us and so i'm excited i mean there's a university of washington hub right there in north tacoma where our church is um but i'm i'm just excited i've never seen so many people catch the flame so uh, go all in and surrender so i know and I appreciate what you said right towards the beginning because you said it's going to be happening all over the place. So you're not yeah. claiming this is the one. No. You're saying it happened at Asbury. It's happening here. It's going to be happening yes. in other places. Am I saying that about right? I don't want to put words in your Yeah, mind. no, that's exactly what's happening. Like I was going to go to Asbury. Yeah. I felt like the Lord said, I'm bringing it to you. So we've just been you know, just sitting back and enjoying the presence and just, you know, doing what we do. We just worship the Lord and having fun. And um, I don't plan, plan messages anymore. I really haven't done that for years. Just God, what do you want to do? And we have testimony after testimony of life-changing encounters with the Lord that people are coming into the glory. They're being healed so without good. anybody praying for them. So and um, so no one's getting the credit and it's just giving God preeminence to move how he wants. And our meetings, we release after a couple hours, but people don't want to leave because the presence is so strong. So we'll go three, four hours, sometimes even five hours where people just linger and they're praying for each other. You're seeing the body so ministering good. to the body. So I so say this, I'm not going to say the location because it's not a, about a specific location, what I'm about to say, but we went to a church on uh, on on Sunday, and the young pastor was up there, and he was saying, you know what, my, well, two or three of us young pastors in the area, we're going to get on a plane, we're going to go to Asbury, and, he, and I'm just paraphrasing, he says, my very wise wife, or our wives, I can't remember which one said the quote, but they basically said, why, why don't you, instead of spending five or six days on the flight there, and a few days there and back, why don't you spend that much time working with your local area to, to bring out the same revival. And he goes, yeah, we should all listen to our wives more. So they actually had a thing on Monday night. It's locally in this area a little bit. And the three churches got together, those three young pastors. And one of the people that were there wrote and said, it felt, I had to pray. I mean, I had this exact, but she said, I felt prayed for a ground shaking event. I think she prayed it, but even if she didn't, even if I got that wrong, she said, it felt like the ground was shaking when all of these three pastors got together in this church. So it is happening everywhere. Don't look for the place to go outside of your area. If you've got anyone in your area, go there first. So 
Nathan, you wanted to talk real quick about, we were going to play a clip of you praying, but we all know what you look like praying. So uh, we won't take the time to do that because our time is really short. But talk about the Awaken the Planet that you wanted people to know about. Yeah, so the Awaken the Planet this year is July 1st, and, and registration is yeah, open. Yeah. And, and it's filling up. So if you haven't registered and you'd like to come, uh, I would recommend it. It is powerful. And the Lord told me this year is about nameless, faceless. And so, of course, we've got speakers that are well known, but we're not advertising speakers. We're not advertising personalities. Uh, we are going to be just lifting up Jesus. Last okay. night. I went and watched the the revolution after our meeting. We we took the team over and we watched that movie. You know it was a late Jesus, night the show. Jesus, the Jesus Jesus, Jesus revolution. revolution. Yeah, it was so powerful. And man, at the end, it was such a tearjerker. If you haven't oh, seen yeah. it, go see it and support what they're doing. But all I know is, man, that's what we're seeing. It's like a Jesus people movement. It's like people are so hungry that they're just getting the flame and then they're taking that wherever they go and just living Jesus. I was on the airplane going to Phoenix. I just went to minister out in Phoenix. Um, I was there at Dream City Church, you know, and the prayer pavilion. I was ministering. So many people were healed. There was a breakout, people getting healed of cancer. Two people that stage four completely healed. Uh, another lady came up and told me I just flew back to Phoenix. Phoenix, and uh, I was there for the pastor event. And it was so cool because uh, people were coming up to me telling me their testimonies that I didn't even hear. One lady said she got healed of an issue of flowing of blood after many years of this wow. blood flow issue. And she got zapped and God just healed her instantly. And she told me about it. Another lady that was telling me the stories that are all coming in. She's like, Nathan, she goes, I've never seen anything like this. It's like there was just this outpouring of the miraculous. And she was so excited. She goes, I got healed of vertigo. She said that she was dizzy. And all of a sudden she just com completely was healed of vertigo. Wow. And I, I just said, vertigo. I said, Verdi, you got to go in That's Jesus good. name. And she was instantly healed. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're just seeing the miracles and the signs and wonders that follow those who believe I had a chance to go pray for a, a blind pastor. I just stopped in for a quick drive-by prayer and, and he asked me to get up on the stage. So I, I got it. I prayed a prayer to everybody get filled with the Holy ghost, baptized in fire and hope and, and the power of God came. But man, God is doing something really all over, but there's places that are really yeah, uh, are. called for revival and to steward awakening. Yeah. And these are usually outside of the mainstream, you know, religious structures, right? It has to be a place where the spirit is moving, where the program's not king, but the king is king. And if yeah. you find those places where there's a heart, there's a hunger, there's repentance, there's going to be revival. I just heard a man get on a stage, big stage, and he, and he was saying, you know, what we need need is not revival. What we need is repentance. Well, listen, repentance is the prerequisite that will spark revival so in our true. land. So we have to come to a place where we go, you know, I don't want to do it my way. I really want to do it his way. And when people fully surrender, he begins to fully surround. And if we'll just extend sometimes the meeting and let the Holy Spirit have his way, uh, we'll good. see more and more revival Nathan, spark in our land. Tell people real quick, because that's about our time. And tell people yeah, yeah. how to get to your local fellowship, uh, if, not, okay. if not tonight yeah. on Sunday or whenever. whenever yeah, you we'll be there daily. We're there daily. So you can come tonight. You can come. Uh, but it's the Rock Revival Center. 
Center.com, the Rock Revival Center.com. If you want to jot it down, um, we're there in North Tacoma, the city of destiny. Uh, people really are, Steve, coming from all over the world. We had a family from really? New York that came in. We had people from um, Boston. We had a family that just came from Canada. I said, where'd you come from? This Somebody said, well, we came up from California. So they're coming up, they're they camping are, out, and they want to get in the flame. And people are getting getting so excited. And the testimonies are ridiculous. I can't wait to release the testimonies. I haven't started doing that. Yeah. But we're collecting the testimonies of life-changing encounters. We'll start putting them out on my Nathan French Ministries Facebook. That's good. And, and as things, we may check in you for, with you from time to time during the week or the next week, whenever we do it. If you've got a great report, we'll bring you on. Uh, and Amen. We'll give you a quick update. All right, Nathan, thanks so much. Love I you guys. Love Be you blessed. Too. See All you right, soon. Well, thank you. And so we're, for now, let's go ahead and bring in Johnny Endel Unfiltered. Here we go. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Johnny and Lowe, we missed you hey. Monday, but we have you today and we have you again Monday. So that we got back-to-back uh, -back sessions with you. It's going to be worth the wait now because we get it in spades, if you can say it that way. Double barrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Johnny, uh, how are you today? Give us a quick update in your life. Uh, like I'm just okay, and then you jump right in. <laughs> we're doing uh, we're doing wonderful, enjoying our 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 new baby grandson, and um, oh, that's that's been a lot of fun. But we were we were gone. We were doing a little uh, kingdom activity throughout Florida, and um, so that's why we were missing the last. Um, the last program and um, just really excited. That's really exciting. What uh, Nathan's uh, just sharing and um, you know, really we are hearing that. I'm sure you've heard it as well. There's reports from all over Yeah, and, and more than, you know, uh, one powerful place. I think last I know you may know Asbury, I think they're no longer doing it on campus, but I've heard that there's some other, there's some people that were in it that are, carrying on meetings. Oh, really? I didn't know they had gone outside. And uh, so I didn't know if they were closing it to the public, but still doing it. But so you think they're as far as the official meetings? Well, I heard that they, I think they, they, this has been their history. They have a history of revival there as well. And they stop it after a while because it can, all of those who have followed revivals understand it becomes so big that it will just absorb everything around it. And I think, I don't know. I didn't have the conversation with them, yeah. but it's, where it could absorb their campus, everything else, and it just be all about that. So I think there's something going on, but the explosions are happening everywhere. Just some, a friend today from Spain has talked about that is breaking out there in, in their in their church as well. And so we're hearing it from different places in South America and a lot of places, uh, you know, is repeated. I think something Nathan just said, they're just a hunger for God, people running to the altar, people encountering his presence, people being set free, delivered. So that part of it's just, uh, it is wonderful just to see it expand around the globe. Totally, totally. All right. Well, you've got a lot to cover today, so I'm going to just turn it over to you. And I'm very anxious to hear what you're hearing. in a good way, not anxious, anxious, looking yeah. forward, anxious. Well, and we, we always have questions that come in and I, I'll see if I, I get to them and you might have some more, Steve, as well. Part of what I want to um, 
help lay out before. So I'm always speaking into the narrative and part of what we've been covering in the last three weeks really has to do with perspective on the end times, the eschatology. And, and so, you know, um, I, my, my, uh, my main point there is that we, we do not want to have an eschatology that limits what we will contend for today. That's good. And and whether and it's theoretically possible that you can believe in a I'll call it a premature rapture that he's coming any day to rapture you, that you could either be a preterist, a partial preterist, or a futurist, and still be passionate for Jesus and be passionate for, for being so light. You good. could do that, and as long as you are and you do that, I think that's much more important. Jesus himself, you know, he diminished the value of knowing how things will be at the end because he himself jesus said only that he doesn't even know only the father knows and we were not you know we were not admonished to learn to be uh speculators but we were admonished to be occupiers and we were admonished to be salt and light to be involved now where it does change if you have a distorted narrative in my view is um for instance if you have one that expects you know, the imminent rapture thing, any moment, you're liable, it doesn't mean you have to, but you're liable to carry a narrative that says, get safe because Jesus is about to return. Right. You have a more kingdom outlook. It's like, get saved, jump in, join in, in the, uh, you know, the explosion of kingdom dynamics all over the planet in seeing a Habakkuk 2.14 reality where the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters cover the sea. So, it can affect, you can have passion for Jesus, but you can have it in, in a way where it's not a passion for him and his kingdom. And he always has a passion for his kingdom as well. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not well, and like when somebody gets saved, if they're going to say there's like fire insurance, quickly get saved because he's coming soon. That's a whole different dynamic than, than the stories Jesus told where he said, you know, then the master went away for a long time and he didn't come back. And then when he came back, he found someone not doing anything that like they were supposed to, they didn't invest in his kingdom. He called some of those wicked. You know, I don't know. You, I'm not, I don't want to get into your teaching, but he called some of them lazy or different words like that. So. No, it's worth revisiting. It was lazy, worthless. That was, oh. the, you know, the parable of the five and the two and the one. And the one he gave one to, you know, I knew that you were a harsh master. And so I decided to bury it. So he calls them uh, a lazy, worthless servant. Mm. So, and that's someone who was, we ex- of course, it's a parable, so there's no, uh, did he go into heaven or not? But we understand that you can be a lazy, worthless servant from a certain standpoint and still make it into heaven because yeah. you come in, whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, you got in. But then you get in and there's this huge, uh, I would say, immediate disappointment and letdown on yourself when you realize, oh, my goodness. I could have been advancing. Oh, <laughs> I did have this picture, Johnny. I just had this picture of if I was one of those where I just said I just got the fire insurance. I got saved. I want to get in. When it was time for me to go to heaven, I don't want Jesus to announce. Oh, here comes another lazy, worthless servant, Steve. Now I don't think it's really going to happen that way. But that's what he was calling them. He didn't say they were lost. He just said they're worthless, lazy. You know. And, and so that's the point that's um, most important to revisit. So I'm going to hit a couple of odds and ends. Okay. It's been exciting. You know, I, I put out the book. I, I just showcased the book, Victorious Eschatology. 
and and then somebody said they you know they sold out quickly on um um amazon and then i actually heard from um the everly's themselves from linda who's harold's wife and she said you know the day they got a bunch of orders the day after the program and i want to remind people it's not that i'm I'm, I don't I don't know that I would agree with every nuance of what's said there, and this doesn't necessarily mean you'll you'll come into 100% of the perspective I have, but it's very thoughtful. I, I appreciate um, Harold and the way he's gone about doing what he does, and um, there is a high level of agreement between us for sure. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. And in and, and, and the parts I don't agree, it's more that th- there really are some, if you understood how many finer points there are to eschatology, um, and there's so many positions and they have even more complex names than ever before, um, it's just really, you can get lost. I think I said it before, you can get lost in a maze of, of being right and figuring yeah. it out. And there's and don't, a, there's, you, don't you, Johnny, I know you you teach strongly and you're going to do it today about the seven mountains and going into society. Don't you somewhat resist, I do, about all of the names. I'm a partial predator, preterist. I'm a pre-tribute. I'm a, by the time you identify yourself, you've drawn, you put a fence around you and everyone that doesn't hold that view, if you've, uh, if you've got a label. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's label? why intentionally I have resisted um, from being niched and yeah. uh, went on the record more than ever over the last three weeks. But even in that, I've, I've only said that the closest position, if you go between the three, would be partial preterist. But even in the partial preterist, there would be some some positions that would be different. And and um, I've, I've only just even learned in the last couple of weeks m- m- more positions that have been established. And there is a danger in becoming a theoretician mm. and, and, and considering that kingdom activity. Now, if you have been assigned by the Lord to go and explore the deeper matters, and I think, and I, I think Harold and Dr. Martin uh, Trench probably have been, and and you, you are doing a service to the body of Christ, but it really doesn't fulfill king, your kingdom activity to get positions correctly. And, mm. and there is, you know, I'll just say for myself, most serious kingdom advancers that I know and have known over the years don't really have all the finer points of um, of the end times. If you don't know what eschatology, what word we're talking about of the end times, they don't have all the finer points of the end times ironed out. And there really is because there is just a danger becoming a, a passive theoretician where you think and there can be a self-satisfaction arrogance that even I've observed in those who are who really um, align what their whole call in life is about is getting a finer uh, whether they're because uh, you have to understand it's even now where the the, the partial preterists they have partial historic preterists they have partial Gee, all these different and, it, and so it's got like nuances within the nuances and then there's uh, some that uh, you know that hold uh, certain positions even in the futurist that anyway it's it's complex and different so uh, you know Jesus was clear that as he said no man knows the hour the day even the sun and so. There are we, we want to understand what things we are free to operate in right now. This is part of uh, a little I have several different messages within the messages I yeah. want to I want to give. And this is 
I, I've expressed it before, but I want to say it again. I believe it's the important takeaway. Um, I do believe, I'll say it again, like um, uh, Dr. Harold Eberly, and he has uh, another, I'm, I'm doing free advertising for him, The Comings of Christ, Why I'm a Partial Preterist and Not a Full Preterist. What I have heard from several to many of you saying what a blessing it's been to get his, his, his book and just to see something written down there that puts to bed, we'll say the, the, you know, the traditional futurist where everything, uh, the, the great tribulation, the antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, all that kind of stuff is all in the future. And so just to see something out there that gives you permission to not consider that, well, that's what everybody believes. Um, and yeah. not, not what everybody believes, but it's it's r- relatively recent. That pers- the futurist pers- perspective is a relatively recent perspective. It is like the 1800s or something like that. Am I am I saying that right? Was it the 1800s where? Yes, yes. And it's it has been a disempowering narrative. Yeah, that's interesting. And what we were starting to talk about was in the 1800s is when uh, there is a sort of a disrespectful. Uh, slam against people that believe in the comings of the Lord, the rapture of the church, they'll call it the secret rapture. And it's kind of disrespectful to to those that believe in in suddenly being caught up before the tribulation. But the the truth is that that particular doctrine and what Johnny's teaching is that that particular doctrine wasn't there for 1,800 years. It There was a certain man, I can almost think his name, but I won't say it because I'm not 100% sure, who invented, who, or who, whatever the word would be, who invented, who came up with the, the teachings of the pre-tribulation rapture. That was in the 1800s. Um, and so people would say, well, then he, maybe he got it right, or maybe he, maybe he uh, got a hold of something that the whole New Testament church never got a hold of uh, until that 1800s. Uh, well, the 1800s also was a time period when a whole lot of false things were started to um the mormons uh it were invented whatever that was, the mormons came into being in 1844 seventh Adventists, which is the denomination that i used to belong to that that became prominent in 1844. so a lot of things in the 1800s emerged and obviously there was great things too but um if you've done any studying on the jesus revolution um that for that movie is about it turns out that um during that Jesus revolution, when Lonnie Frisbee was there, all kinds of off movements came, and and people that had a, a be after that whole Jesus revolution, the, the shepherding movement and the discipleship movement that got off. There was a, something called the Way um, that got off, and there were other um, cults that came out of that. So every time there's a move of God, every time there's a great move of God, then something false tries to get right in there. So when we're seeing Asbury and we're, we're going to start to hear all kinds of revival breakout, be a little cautious because there will be some cults that will try and grab hold of it. They'll, they'll try to get a hold of some leaders that, that may be more uh, named. So just that's a good thing because I've, I've been through so many of those seasons that I don't suffer from cynicism, but I do have carefulness. I've got a, a wise antenna, and then I've got people that help me discern So. Yeah, John Nelson Darby, and we've covered that before. I'm not going to go into a yeah. lot of repeat. We want to keep the narrative before us, and we're going to be prepared to uh, answer some questions on it. But I want to share what my actual position is, and um, and but it won't be in the mid-trib, post-trib. 
uh, the old way we used to do it, nor will it be futurist, preterist, partial preterist. And this is, this is it. It's limitless eschatology. And by limitless is that we have no restraints on us now for contending for whatever needs to be contended for. For just like you know, every person is worth contending for. Every single person is worth contending for. Every city is worth contending for. Every nation is worth contending for. Every sphere of society is worth contending for. There's no like, well, you can do this now. You can get people saved and delivered and sanctified. But really, until Jesus comes, it can't go beyond that. Um, that That is where it gets to be dangerous. So that's why that's where it's not just a charade of, uh, of various perspectives and who's right and who's wrong. That's where, where the rubber hits the road. And so this is just a, a simple uh, part we're going to do. I'm, I'm really going to go into one of the main things is just a really, really good news report on 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 the state of Christianity in the world. Good. Yeah, uh, I like that. that which will be good. a surprise uh, to people as well. Yeah. Just to remind you all that, you know, Jesus in Matthew 28, 18, after having paid the price on the cross to regain what was lost, which was lost authority in the garden, he regained that. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go, therefore. So all authority already his and he's already given it to us. So there's no next what we're waiting for. It's all, all authority. In John 1930, um, he, he established, he said, it is finished. We'll just say that it is finished. That means his part was finished. It doesn't mean our work is finished. This is where we enter in, but there's a part we couldn't do. And sometimes we're waiting for him to do another work, like he needs to come die again or, or uh, you know, release something more again. He did what he needed to do. And in Luke 10, 19, he says, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. He didn't say, well, I mean, obviously until I come back, you can't, I mean, you can't really go against power that's in government, power that's in, in cities and nations. He didn't say that. He said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy. Mark 9, 20 thing, everything is possible to him who believes. So, you know, that kind of goes with everything. All things are possible. We know to say that, and then we create these eschatologies that knock the legs right out of all things are possible. Well, not, not really possible. I mean, we can't do that till later. So that's the part that gets me. That's what I call a toxic eschatology. Any eschatology, any end times belief that you have that limits how much of the kingdom you'll press into right now, that limits how much of the Holy Spirit you're willing to call upon for uh, right now. And so, um, you know, we, we find out through the scripture, whether it's Jesus or God in the Old Testament, that the only thing that ever limited Jesus or God was doubt and unbelief. Uh, from the 10 spies generated, I'll call it dispensationalism. It's like, no, 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 we can't, we can't take on. Those enemies are too big for us. They're greater and mightier than us. Um, and so I, cons I call that for those I won't explain dispensationalism right now, but to me, it's the equivalent of dispensationalism, which is a belief, a doctrine out there that 
you know, there's things that are not for us now. We're not supposed to move in healing. We're not supposed to move mm. in power. We're not supposed to move in the prophetic. We're not supposed to be apostolic. That was all just for a dispensation um, and, and, and uh, for a time period that's already uh, passed. And so, uh, and we know all the way to, you know, they were, they didn't enter to their promised land when they were supposed to. And it says because of their unbelief and even God calls it their evil heart of unbelief. We know Jesus was slowed in Nazareth, his hometown, because of their unbelief. We know that he was upbraiding his, which means rebuking his disciples, um, kind of fairly frequently, not for too much faith, but for not enough faith, for their unbelief. You know, they're in the storm, and, 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 and instead of one of them standing up and saying, I rebuke you, storm, they cowered and thought they were going to die. And so he, he rebuked them for their, for their little faith. No one ever got upbraided in the Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, for having too much faith. Wow, that's good. <laughs> no one was ever like, <clears throat> hey, too much heaven, you're contending for too well, much heaven. He didn't heaven. come out and say, you are trusting me <laughs> way too much these days, Johnny. Don't You're trusting me way. Don't give me so much credit. He's not saying that. <laughs> exactly. In, in, in any way you can... Uh, you know, turn that around and say, you're believing me for too much. You're thinking I can actually, uh, you know, save multitudes. You're, you're thinking I can actually change cities. You, you're thinking I can change the whole world. I can change nations. Well, we could line up again, 50 scriptures that tell you his intent is global. Yeah. Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Oh, the ones, The ones that got rebuked, they got rebuked for not having far enough faith, you know, even when they're giving the parabolic, it's not parabolic. It was a real story where the prophet asked the king like to shoot the arrows. And that's how what level of deliverance he had. And he shoots three and then he gets rebuked by the by the prophet. Why didn't you shoot six or seven? That's the craziest times? scripture I've ever seen. too. Like, how was he supposed to know he was? But anyway, it was instructive to us. He didn't but have it's enough. Instructive. You yeah. piece it together with all this. Uh, and he says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth. It's not will he find correct eschatology. It's will he find faith. And I can assure anyone who has, in quote, too much faith, you will be rewarded in heaven for too much faith uh, above. And on the earth too, right? That's an earthly reward as well. Yes. But I'm just saying no one's going to get rebuked. You're going to go to heaven. We've never heard of one person uh, that this has ever happened. They're like, well, Dude, while you were down there, you were contending for way too much. I mean, that's <laughs> don't you know happen. we can't do that from up here? Don't you understand? <laughs> you gotta reduce so, it to the ridiculous, don't you? Sometimes exactly. So I want people to understand what our focus is, why am we are going after, and we'll go into it more. We we want to because the Lord has told me to go after these, they're like golden calves in the body of Christ. Mm. That people sit around and worship and they stop from advancing the kingdom. While, while they honor and, and, and you know worship this perspective they have, which allows them to stay frozen, allows the salt to remain in the salt shaker instead of the salt coming out and actually doing something. So finally on that, the example for us is David himself. We, we read that he could leap over walls. Leaping over walls is not possible for a human. He could run through troops. Running through troops is not available for a human. He could kill his ten thousands. They said Saul has killed his thousands. Saul was the giant. David is ten thousands. We know of actual battle scenes where he talks about he and Eliezer 
took on a whole army of the Philistines and took them all out while they protected a barley field that had to be supernatural. He outran and outmuscled lions and bears. That's also there. There's a thousand pounds of pressure on the mouth of a lion, and he grabbed him by his beard and killed him by, by doing so, hit him over the head. So that's like a thunderbolt coming. You can't do that with human strength or human power. We, we read that he took holy bread from the priests. We're not going in depth. All these scriptures are, are well known, all these stories. that No one was allowed to have the holy bread from uh, the table of showbread. And David took that. We have David talking about in the Psalms, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Renew in me a, a clean heart. He talks about ascending the holy mountain. All these things that theoretically were not available yet either because Jesus hadn't died, the Holy Spirit. How does he have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit has not been sent from the Father? Great. That's Here's an extra God. dose of faith, isn't it, man? So he he has taken on, he is embracing a journey of absolute faith. Nothing is impossible. And he's connecting to the power of the age to come. And he's connect. He, he really truly was before things were available. Jesus had not died on the cross. The Holy Spirit had not been sent, but Jesus hadn't said it's finished. And he still was given access to stuff because he had radical faith. And so that's the thing we want, that flame we want fanned in everyone right now is be willing to contend for anything and everything. And and those who do are going to find great rewards. This is the season for seeing the kingdom advanced on planet earth. Okay. So now here's something else. Here's some of the, some of the good news. Um, Because part of what happens is when we talk about, you know, in the last three weeks, I've probably mentioned a few times the Daniel scriptures. And we want these Daniel scriptures again to be validated uh, and and to be highlighted in an important way. yeah, I love those. I mean, you, you, there there are some things that we do once and we don't cover it again because we did that. Those Daniel scriptures are not in that category. They need to be no, they're not over and over. So, and this this is just a brief review and reminder. When you get to the Book of Revelation, it doesn't call itself a book of prophecy. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and these were actual letters sent to seven actual churches. And then the descriptives they went into, most of the descriptives were things that were known by the church population at that time. Uh, Nero was called and considered the beast. The 666 numbering equaled what the numeric value of his name, Nero. Um, The Antichrist, the word Antichrist is never even mentioned in the book of Revelation for all of those. Who- Wait, now say that again, because the people that are that's, talk about the Antichrist, where is the Antichrist then? It's not mentioned. That's just the thing is we, we make up things and say it's there. And the assumption is the book of Revelation is the revelation on the Antichrist. Antichrist is not even mentioned. If you consider him the beast, or if you consider him the 666 numerology connection, um, I'm you're, sure that's part- just totally blowing everybody's theology right up. <laughs> well, it's not in there. It's not in there, Johnny. I'm sorry, but it's not in there. It's not in there. And that's what I will tell you. I will I'm say his name again. Dr. Harold Everly does a good scholarly job. If you want to go deeper into it, if part of 
as long as you don't consider it the entirety of what you're doing sure. for the kingdom. Um, if, if you're just, I just, I just want to know it's important. Go it's, it's study his resources. If you don't agree 100%, you'll, you'll acknowledge that the way he goes about it is it will, it will witness to you. It will bear witness with your spirit. And he has the same goal that I do. That's why I like him. It's like, the kingdom is here. It's been moving for 2,000 years. There is no limit to what it can accomplish. And yes, there may be a final defeat of darkness that comes in when Jesus himself shows up in the person. But we are to have um, at no point do we even use that as a disclaimer uh, uh, for ourselves saying, well, we can't really. At no time do you say we can't contend for something because Jesus isn't here yet. He is here. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And he's come through us and he says, all power is yours. All authority I give to you. Again, the scriptures, I won't repeat them. What I what I just said a, a little while ago, but we want to understand that uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, and again, I'll add something um, that i uh, more than I've said before, and this is not the main part as well, but you're like, well, when all the bad stuff of Revelation happens, and again, when you're talking about the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, all these deaths and trials and tribulation and plagues and all that, you have to understand in 70 AD, there is a perfect fulfillment written by historians where they even connected the things that were spoken of in the book of Revelation. Again, that's what something will be done for you. And, and Johnny, I don't want to interrupt your flow, except this one point, when when John the Revelator is called up, the voice says, "Come up here, and I'll show you what things must shortly take place." Am I? I don't, is that okay to make that point? Not to remind people, he's telling people in that book at the beginning of that book, this is what's about to happen. It, yeah, well, it, that's in Revelation chapter four, one you're talking about. He shows okay. some things that are going to come, but he actually takes them into time travel. We'll go into. One of these times, Steve, we'll actually go into Revelation 4 and 5 because it's okay. a foundation for seven mountain thinking and processing. Okay. And to me, there's a storyline to embrace there um, that, that's, a, uh, we'll say, an end times narrative storyline that doesn't have to run off and address all side issues that mm. is just valuable. But um, it does start out, Revelation chapter 1, things that will shortly happen. And these things did shortly happen. And, and Jesus, um, you know, it connects with the Matthew 23, 24, 25, when he talks about all these things, he talked about all these trials that would come to Jerusalem. They will come this generation. And that generation, a generation is by, uh, uh, by everybody's um, counting, it's 40 years or 50 years. And, and we know when Jesus was saying that was around 30, 33 AD and it was 70, really 40 years uh, later when Titus came in and over a million J Jews were killed and, and the streets were pouring with blood and it was mm. unprecedented devastation. But what, what's not even understood is that after, after that, there was, because that was primarily targeting the Jews, there had already been a, uh, a tribulation of sorts in 64 AD because of a fire in Rome that Nero blamed evil emperor blamed on the Christians. And so there was horrific deaths of tens of thousands or more believers, in, including, you know, that's the stuff where they're, where they're putting them on display and sewing mm. them into animal skins and having mm. them killed and feeding them to the lions and all kinds of things. But in 81 to 96 AD, 
So remember, we said 70 AD is when Jerusalem was raised, R-A-Z-E-D. And in 81 to 96, it's not often told, but there was Domitian was another one of these emperors. And he his the killings he did, the brutality may have exceeded. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what what Nero did. And so there was another period. And then there is 284 to 305 AD, which is a 21 year period. Diocletian, uh, it's probably the worst. All serious plagues and death of Revelation all easily covered on just one of them, just on the 70. Most people I've seen have written up how 70 AD covered it all. But if you put them all three together, it's like it's all covered. Uh, yeah. um, I say all, I'm not saying there are there are matters of Revelation that clearly speak into the future. But the things that are generally thought of as the dreaded Antichrist, beast, false prophet, 666, all that stuff um, took place. Now, will that same spirit try to revisit in some way? And is that why some things look like it today and and in general? Yes, there is. a You know, it, it's very low creativity how Satan operates hmm. as far as he's got three three things he's after kill, steal and destroy. And so, uh, you know, he, he works with whatever tools he can find to do that. But the, it's a very simple, you know, the, the boardroom of hell. It's their, on their chalkboard. Three words, kill, steal, destroy. That's what they're about. That's the part that's simple. And, and the tactics are just how can they do that? And, and so they'll use plague. They'll use um, lies. They'll use war. They'll use it's similar things. So that's why things look like the revisiting why people keep thinking this looks like revelation. Well, war looks like war. Death looks like death. Plagues look mm, like plague. Yeah. Treason looks like treason. And it will be repeated in, in, in that kind of way. So um, uh, then we want to understand. So here's, but here's why Daniel's different. Daniel has a track record of several hundred years coming to the time of Christ. And we have to remember Jesus mentioned him as prophet as well, prophet Daniel. And, and Daniel has in, in, in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and then what the Lord showed him these four images spoke into the four empires, the four great empires um, that one was presently the Babylonian Empire, then the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire. And he saw the Roman Empire as the one that gets hit by the stone, mm. uh, which is the Jesus in the kingdom. And that this stone, when it hit this image, busted and, and demolished it completely. And Daniel never saw another kingdom after that. And so the explanation has been hard for a long time on, well, the Roman Empire, because if you don't know, we've not talked about this aspect of it either. The Roman Empire, the city of Rome collapsed 410 AD. And, and so really, if you have a proper, I say, if you have a proper understanding of the scripture where it talks in Revelation 18 about Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen. Actual Babylon had already fallen hundreds of years before. So it wasn't talking about that Babylon. And that Babylon has never regained the actual city mm. in Iraq, has never regained that type of uh, prestige ever again. And it was just common um, for communicators to use, um, you know, comparative words. It's not really the way to say it, but you're talking about Rome, but you're calling it Babylon. Because it had the same influence. So when it's talking about Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen. 
and, and it talked about its harlotries that filled the whole world. You have to remember, Rome for 1,000 years was the center of the world. For 1,000 years for, you know, for, for, for Americans who, we, we, we don't, you know, we have 300 years uh, that we can go back in some kind of history. Um, if you go back to the original, 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 earliest pilgrims, um, 350 or something like that, <clears throat> maybe 400. And, and, and you have a nation, it's a city nation, Rome, that has ruled and reigned for a thousand years. It was that Babylon, the trade center, the everything center, the center of evil that was there. And it collapsed in 410 AD. And then 476, the entire Roman Empire collapsed. So it looked like it was going to be impossible. It, it was just like Daniel described, that it was unusual. It was different than the other. The other ones were really short term. This one lasted hundreds and hundreds of years. It was powerful. It talked about having a great voice, a media component, which I've attached to present days. That Because here's the part that's a little bit new for people who, who know how to go through the progression of the things that have taken place, that Rome came back. That Roman Empire came back. It's sort of like that Antichrist spirit that it talks about that healed itself, that got better. It, it took a wound, but it wasn't a mortal wound because the Roman Empire, it came back, but no longer the way it was before. It came in a different outfit, no longer military rule, but it came on as religious rule. And um, so for people who don't know, the Vatican is Rome. It's literally listed as four miles from Rome or something. So the Vatican is Rome. And I'm not saying Catholicism itself is that, but Catholicism was co-opted and taken. And so it was used in this kind of way. Well, Johnny, can I ask you that? Because people are going to go, well, wait a minute. If you're not saying it, but you just said a minute ago, but it's a, it came back as a religious power, you so you're clearly to me you're saying you're you're you're, you're contradicting yourself so to speak. So how how I, I'm not trying to make Rome the the bad well, guy, I, the bad guy, but yeah, go well, ahead. I'm, the rollout of what I was just about okay. to say what was the the explanation? Okay, of it. go ahead. Uh, so it came back no longer as a military rule, but a religious rule. It entered in league, and I'm just doing in in a couple of sentences, sure. which could be talked about in a lot more depth. Um, the Vatican entered into league with the central bankers, with the Rothschilds, and this alliance uh, has still been this final image Daniel saw. That's the point. This final image that Daniel saw has been that same beast, that which started as a Roman, uh, that Roman beast, and, and there's just different descriptives, again, so as not to take the whole program for it. Maybe at some point there would be uh, purpose, purpose in it. But this, this is what Daniel saw, and this is what Jesus hit, the rock, the kingdom came, and then there's a process of it being, and I'm going to read those uh, scriptures because it won't take very long out of Daniel, so we get the understanding of it or some aspect of the scriptures I'll read. And, and so uh, the church was co-opted. There, um, there was this alliance between the central banks, the Knights Templar, the Freemasons, all of these groups actually had some sort of, um, it, it wasn't always sinister. The central banks, it's hard to say that it wasn't sinister. It quickly became uh, something sinister. And there's about 25 to 50 other organizations. Really? We know the names of things where you call, whatever you call the Kazarian Mafia, if you say the Illuminati, if you say the Bilderbergers, if you say 
you know, there's all kinds of other so names. like a huge number of secret societies who some were probably working together and others were on their own or. Yeah. And so the, these secret societies essentially took all the positions of power and they saw um, that the positions of power um, for the Vatican, what was the Catholic Church, that if they could take this, they could co-op um, they could co-op systems, nations. And so it doesn't mean, you know, that the, you know, the, most of the people, maybe 99 percent of the people that would go under Catholicism would not know what has happened. And even till this day, there is a whole different power structure there than what people know about. That's just the way the enemy operates anyway. You know, he's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so he hides what he's doing. So they have to pretend and to some level do uh, the good that's supposed to be there. And they count on um, they count on good people advancing it. You know, I was part of a mega church that I didn't know the pastor was actually involved in pedophilia and having 10 concubines and uh, essentially almost mafia living. But I was mm. there for years, but I was a spirit filled, believing leader, people to the leading people to the Lord. And I was a leader in that, in that, in yeah, that by church. The way, I'm going to say this real quick. Um, while you were saying you were taken in by that, so was I in those years because I lived in Florida and I was watching this guy on TV every week. This guy's really anointed. This guy's got the word of the Lord. I didn't realize that the same guy you're talking about was doing all that. So don't beat yourself up. We all got taken by that. No. Well, that's the thing is because when you're, when you're a sheep, when you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, you have to do kind of, uh, I don't know, 90% sheep stuff. And then it's when nobody's looking, you do the wolf stuff. As they say, rat poison is 97% inert, maybe even help for you stuff. But it's the 3% um, the stuff that'll do you in. And so, but it is important for what we're talking about, that we're not just um, throwing the entire, um, you know, Catholic religion and those who sure. have followed it under the bus. But it has been co-opted. Here's the deal. Most denominations, most major, most ma major Christian organizations have also been co-opted. Oh, sure they have. Well, I mean, is it fair, Johnny, is it fair to say that even the, you know, because I was a child of molestation, it was in my family and my dad was being a pastor. There were thousands of people like that and they were calling themselves Christian pastors who were doing the same thing you're describing. They just never got caught, right? They, they died and... And it's happening... It's happening right now. So in other words, it's not the Catholics that, got, that did the bad stuff and the, and the Protestants didn't. No, it was like every, it was like, okay. Anyway, they had a mutual but, admiration society. It's like. So we want to just go into, so these, this group, I'll just say though, it's been Vatican based and they have had the world economy there. Um, and they have had, I mean, quintillions of dollars. Of yeah. resources. There's a whole side story connected to it. I won't go into now. And 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 so that has been it's been one of the things that's being addressed right now as 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 well. You will say from good people, from God people, and and all wars. If you think of the last five hundred years, um, so we have to understand uh, that we'll say approximately since fifteen hundred for the last five hundred years. Before then, there's really scriptures were impossible to find. Um, you know, it's interesting. Last year, I just read that 90 million Bibles were sold last year, if you can believe that. 90 million. Really? Wow. And that's despite the fact that you can just open your phone and do that. 
and this is like a record, unprecedented, because there is, a, and that's what I want to talk about in a moment, a move of God around the world that's still happening in the midst of, of all this mess. Uh, but it's but it's important for, for the narrative that we're laying out. So, But for the last 500 years, really all significant wars, most plagues, most famines were manipulated by this group. And, and this group attached with power that comes from the Vatican. And this is important. So they were doing killing, stealing, destroying, HIV, AIDS, COVID, infertility, infertility throughout Africa uh, that came through Gates vaccinations. And, and, and you know, there, there is a real science to vaccinations, I, I, I believe. And, and but they also figured out sinister people figured out that you could do something that could take out something, but then add something else. So, yeah, maybe there's certain disease that it stops, but then it releases another disease or general breakdown of health. And so these um, these are these are what they've been using for better than 100 years. Vaccines have been a weapon of choice hey. for these people, for the and we'll say these even, I don't want to just call them exclusively Vatican-based, but there is a strong component of power and a strong component of resource, not from what, you know, what you would, uh, you're not going to find this out from your bishop, your cardinal, even your archbishop. There's going to be even, you know, that's the nature of evil, kind of lurks in the background and pushes other people forward. Well, isn't it, don't they have their own version of a secret society that's Vatican-based so that the, the, the normal Christian Catholic would never know, but there's these things are going at the so-and-so so degree level higher? Well, yes, that's what the Jesuits is one of them. Um, Opus Dei is another oh. one that's throughout Central uh, South America. Um, and And again, uh, they they work uh, they work as an information um, maze as well where it's complicated complex and and you can get lost in trying to figure out which one of them actually has the power they they coordinate combine mm. they want you know they have key players will be members of multiple of these secret societies and so that's how that's how wow. they, they operate wow. but this is but here's the point. I'm saying Daniel already saw all of this. We're up to date. Daniel is the only book of the Bible to me that specifically has a proven track record of the hundreds of years up to Jesus about the next empires. And then he laid out the, the, the meta narrative in the clearest way. Well, it's laid out in a bunch of places, kind of just a scripture here or there, but with the, with the in-depth way that he did it. And so just to remind you all those scriptures daniel 224 and um 244 actually 224 daniel 224 and in the days of these kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never and these kings when he says these kings are these four kings followed by the roman one that then he gave various uh descriptives of that final version of empires and in the days of these kings and again that empire was babylon even the babylon from scripture and in the days of these uh, kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people it shall break in in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever 
and it talks about you saw a stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands. So the stone that was cut without hands, how, how is that possible? Well, that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the rock. He's the chief cornerstone in, in all that. So we want to connect that with, um, you know, there's a big point, and I'm, I'm, rather than reading them, I'm just going to kind of extract the scriptures because we've done yeah. it before. But I want people to remember this narrative. Um, in Daniel chapter 7 that goes with it, it talks about a judgment, Daniel seven twenty two for those looking, about a judgment made on behalf of the saints. Now, to me, the big deal there is to start the year, I gave a word and I saw a gavel in vision when I was on, on the beach walking. And then we had Bobby Connors had this encounter and it was a repeat encounter for something he had before about a gavel. And it was at the same time where there was a contention, 15 consecutive votings for Speaker of the House in our own, oh, in our yeah, own right. United States. And but, it, you know, the, the scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So this gavel point was reminding us in the scripture, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me and revealing the scripture to me that there is a gavel. There has been, the court has seated. If you look at Daniel 7.26, it talks about the court being seated. 7.22 talks about a judgment made on behalf of the saints that coincides, that's an agreement, it's in alignment with the Daniel 2 scripture that we just read. And verse 27 talks about is given to these saints kingdom and dominion given to the saints of the most high his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve him now there is a group of believers out there that again they crack down on uh, uh, they'll call them the nars they'll call them the dominionists they call me that even though i've explained the differences there but the, here's the part they forget it literally says how else do you want to extract what it just says that all if all dominions will serve his kingdom and his kingdom is not when he comes, but when his saints are activated, because it says the judgment was on behalf of the saints. Yeah. The judgment wasn't on made on behalf of Jesus. The, the, the judgment wasn't for Jesus to show up and then it changes. It was a judgment on behalf of the saints. And the saints are the ones are to exercise his dominion over darkness on earth. That's just Bible, 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 Genesis 1, 26, 27. The original narrative, God made man in his image, the Godhead. Let us make man in our image. Let them have dominion over everything. So God uh, made man in his image. So man in God's image, in alignment with him, in an agreement with his plan to showcase who he is on planet Earth, is supposed to have dominion not over people but over darkness bring order bring uh progressive uh prosperity kingdom advances so things look more like heaven on earth as it is in heaven what else could yeah. that be? johnny uh, how do you how do you um I, I i know you have an explanation but i can't remember what it is how do you say that's not taking dominion but it act, but in another way you are going into society and helping to take dominion. How do you answer your critics on that? Well, here it is. So again, the accusation of dominionism, yeah. they'll say, these people say they're going to take, Christians are supposed to take over all the world. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying Christians are supposed to take over non-Christians. So that's the distortion of the narrative. Okay. The distor- but 
but what is the narrative is that believers, kingdom believers, those who are contending for the kingdom on earth. And again, if you embrace that particular eschatology that you're only here to get some people saved and wait for Jesus is after you, you're not really one of those, but it's, but it, but it's okay as well as some level of advance we'll say, but the, but the idea is for um, us to have, you know, what does light do when he says you're the light of the world? What does light do to darkness? That's what we're supposed to do. Call it dominion, call it whatever. It's not over people, but it's goodness over badness, love over hate and fear, order, godly order above disorder, peace instead of war, true creativity instead of Jezebelic distortions that come out of Hollywood, um, God-centered education versus humanistic, man-centered education, um, generosity instead of greed and fear and greed and greed and fear cycles that go on in economy. For every area of society, we can we can see what is good, and and we do want good. We want goodness to have dominion over badness. So people that would say, well, you're a dominionist, you, you want to take over the world and have non-believers even anti, they're saying, they're, they're false accusation is you're saying, okay, unbelievers, we're coming and we're your boss. Get used to it. They're, you are not saying we are, the, we are about to be the boss of the world. or the boss. Not it's only the that, I, when I explain it over and over, I have, I think my last two books, and it's pointedly said influence not dominionism yeah that's good and so really that what good. We, the kingdom of god cannot be advanced through imposition mm-hmm. jesus the king our king did not come throwing lightning bolts and he could have he could have if if it's dominion that kind of dominion then he could have he could have enforced it that way that would have been impressive if he sees the multitudes and then he sees the Pharisees and he throws a thunderbolt near one of them and says, repent. That is that's kind of forced kingdom uh, advancement. He didn't do that. He laid his life down. He taught. He, uh, you know, he, no, he, he didn't even punch. Worse yet, use lightning bolts. And so the idea of imposed dominion is incorrect. It's a wrong way. So we don't do ourselves favor a favor when we say we're here to take over. Among ourselves, if we know that we're talking about the light that's in us needs to cast out the darkness that's around us, fine. But we do we, the the more we get quoted, the more the bigger our platform, the more careful we want to be with our language because sure. it gives the enemy an opportunity to distort uh, what is not the truth. It does say when it says an everlasting kingdom, all dominions will serve him, and he just says. Again, to make this point again, you go, yeah, serve him. Nobody said it's for his saints. The ruling is for the saints to rule. He says, arise, shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you. So this is, you know, this is the tension of it all. It is about dominion, but it's not dominion over people. It's not imposition on man's will. That never happened. God didn't do that even in the garden. When you use the term, I think you said NAR. I'm not absolutely sure if that is it NAR. What what is that? Uh, what is that? I stand think it for? stands for the New Apostolic Reformation. And are you? I, and what you're saying on that? Are you saying yes, you're that, or no, you're not that? 
you know, the only way I even know about it is because I've been called it. But yeah, I don't even right. I don't even know if that's what it stands for. I don't know yeah. if it stands no, it for. Is. Now that you say that, because I, I was trying to remember because I've been called that, too. Yeah. And I thought and, I, and the person that called me that I said, I have never heard that term in my life. I went and Googled it. What's the new apostolic reformation? And then it's I guess that's it. And I kept thinking about how could I be guilty of being part of this new NAR like officially, but I never heard the term. That's why I wanted to ask you that same thing, Johnny. So, so you know, that's why that's what's so bizarre. They have uh, the, the we'll say the attackers of kingdom people call them NARs. And that's supposed to be enough for. So, oh, I didn't know he was an NAR teacher. And I don't even know it's supposed to be called NAR if it's supposed to be called NAR. They they just make up these things in order, you know, to brand people with it. I don't even know what they consider an NAR person yeah. to be. I may be, but I don't know because I don't, I don't even know. know. Yeah, I, I've never I've sat in a group. I've never sat in a group of leaders. People maybe need need to hear this. Never sat with a group of apostles and among everybody. Yes, we're the NAR. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, I don't no, even mean to laugh, but it was the reason I'm pondering on us pausing on this is because I was accused. The same thing and i thought how you know then i even when i googled i couldn't even quite figure out what they were but i found out someone saying oh he's nar steve schultz is nar i go what's that you know so anyway I th that's a point well made sorry to no pause on that but i think people go what you know what is that and i don't know if i gave the scripture earlier about when jesus came and that's a point we're making with daniel is that it becomes clear that the kingdom started uh, the revelation of the kingdom on earth started with Jesus. Yeah. And when he was, and again, there can be arguments that it start when he was a baby, when he was born, when he was 30, when he died on the cross, it doesn't matter. It started with Jesus. And we know that that time has passed. Uh, the nuances of, of which one actually kicked in uh, the stone, not made with hands coming in and that this thing, and it tells us in, in Daniel and this Daniel 2.35, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, that's where I want to spin off in a moment here and talk about some things going on in planet earth right now. And again, that connects with Habakkuk 2.14. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And I, I, not just that he saves, but that he has the goods for every area of society. That he is, you know, he's God, the communicator in media. He's God, the creative one in arts and entertainment. God yeah. is Papa in family. God, the provider in the economy. God, teacher, revelator in education. God is redeemer, mountain of religion. God is king, a mountain of governor. There's different faces of God that all reflect who he is. That's why the rainbow is a good, it was a sign up there, seven colors, seven dynamics of who he is seven specifics uh um different ways just like you know i'll say i'm i'm a i'm somebody's son but i'm somebody's parent i'm somebody's grandparent i'm somebody's cousin i can have the multiple roles and the relationship is different in every way yeah. and so not we're saying there's seven gods there's seven aspects of him that function in different ways so there's an aspect of him to be known as god the provider and it's different when you're uh, when you're addressing him as one of his names, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is yeah. our provider. And then you can uh, address him as uh, Papa Jehovah Rapha, the one who's our healer and uh, comforter and takes care of that that way. So these are all all, all ways that we, we get to know him. But this mountain fills the whole earth. And so uh, uh, I was going to say, so Jesus also said in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of the world. 
you know, back to this point, we're waiting for the judgment to come. Now the ruler of the world is cast out. And I'm not saying there's not another type of judgment in the future. I'm just saying there's some things where like we don't have permission to do. Jesus said, now is judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out and it connects and goes with wow. Daniel who said, Jesus comes, he's the stone, he busts the image, he breaks it down, and it's going to be an ever-increasing. When you connect it with the other scriptures, Isaiah 9, unto us a son is born, a child is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of that government, there will be no end. That's so, so huge. That's so kingdom huge. is progressively advancing. You know, it's so poetic that you missed the meaning because of the increase of this kingdom. It sounds poetic, and I love the sound of it, but what he's saying is it's going to continue, continue to increase, and then it's going to increase some more, and there will never be an end of his kingdom increasing and when i remove the poetry and define it that way it's a it's a really profound statement it, it really is and then we connected we've been connecting that again we're just laying out this narrative we know we have to repeat it a few times yeah uh, that way it becomes it needs to be our new new narrative because it's so solid so scriptural so repeated over and over there hosea 6 2 says after two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. A day is as a thousand years with the Lord. And it's not that a day is exactly a thousand years. It's understood in the in the Hebrew, Hebraic understanding that a thousand years through scriptures, when it will talk about a thousand years, it really just means however long it takes. And it may or may not be exactly a thousand years. That's why it, as it just like for when the, you know, the day of the Lord comes, the day of the Lord's not a 24 hour period and, and same. And so, but after two days, he will revive us. Approximately after two two thousand years after Jesus, there was, and this is where we're going to go into this brief report right now into current world Good. dynamics. Is we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came about the early nineteen hundreds, and it began to change everything. I believe that's when this thing of reviving us began to kick in the Holy Spirit, because really. Um, after the early church and some tribulations and things they've had, we know for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there was not this emphasis in, uh, on, on the move of the Holy Spirit. And so the reviving took place. And now this gavel, this picture of the gavel, and it's a judgment has been made. It's time for the saints to receive the kingdom at another level. This is about us going into he will raise us up. This is the transition we're going into through right now. He's raising us up, and it says, and we will live before him. Some versions, we will live in his sight, connected to Isaiah 61. And it talks about those who will be trees, oaks of righteousness, mm -hmm. the planting of the Lord. They will rebuild mm -hmm. ruined cities. They will restore generations that have been damaged. That's our assignment. That's the downside if you have an, uh, an eschatology that it's like, no, Jesus is about to whisk us out of here. It's like there's so much of the storyline that has not yet been fulfilled. And we're we're on we're on target. There is a final busting up of this image that's going to be ground into powder. And you read in Daniel and it says uh, these other dominions will completely be crushed and, and disappeared. So it is an overall, uh, you know, it, it is it, it is a total takedown of these other powers and the kingdom will have a chance to advance and showcase 
uh, through his sons and daughters. That's why the ruling is on behalf. The gavel is for the saints, for the sons of the Most High. And John, on that one real quick, when the gavel, when do you say that that started? When the gavel went down, did that start when when Daniel said it? Did it start when Jesus, when did that begin? I, I don't want to get you off your final points here, but when did that start? I don't know. And okay. I just know there's at minimum a reminder that God is giving us in January of this year. And that's okay. the that's, okay, good. that's the deal is that, I mean, in some ways it's it happened from the moment Jesus came, the king came. He says it's finished. And now is this thing judged? But then yeah. even that now this is judged. There was, well, on two days he will revive them. So mm. there's been this progressive growing of the church. And 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 third day, you'll raise them up. So this is where I want people to understand. This is the good news of uh, that people um, they won't find it hard to believe, but maybe they will. Uh, maybe they will, uh, because I I had to connect the figures I'm going to give people now with that narrative. Because people are like, how is the kingdom of God going to fill the whole? earth and like a mountain like no we're going it's getting worse and worse look at they're crushing us they got these agendas they got these plans and 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 they're doing all these things well it looks like it it looks like if you just look at what the enemy is doing it looks like the enemy is running things now the enemy has been running we'll say seven mountain things illegally criminally because the sons and daughters of the king have not embraced the full assignment They've been here. Let's just rescue some other souls. And when you do that, you allow the enemy to rule in places he's not supposed to. You do. You have not exercised the dominion that you're supposed to. You're not just supposed to get saved. You're to exercise dominion on darkness, not impose on people. I have to say it again. But you are supposed to have dominion over darkness. It's part of stewardship from Genesis one. He made man in his image. He says, hey, let's be in communion with each other and let's bring heaven's order on earth. That is the assignment. So it's a kingdom assignment. It's not just a transaction. And that's where the church has missed it. It's like, okay, a transaction of I got saved. I raised my hand. That's a beautiful thing. So here are some things um, so people understand where, where we're at right now. There really has been an increase of kingdom um, believers, uh, the kingdom and believers, sometimes there's not as much overlap as they needs to be, Um, not just in our lifetime, but since over the last 2,000 years, part of the progression, I want to show people how it's already happening. Now, the nature of the church is we're the messiest advance imaginable, and we have been for 2,000 years since Jesus. Even in Jesus' days, it was a messy advance. You have the disciples squabbling who's on the right, who's on the left, and who's got more of this and who's that. And you have one that's a, a traitor. And then even the next, yeah, you have the apostles fighting among themselves some. And then Paul and Silas and there's Barnabas and the John Mark. And there's and there's contentions that, that happen. It's always been a messy uh, kind of rolling forward of the kingdom of God. But it definitely continues and has been and uh, going on for, for many years. So. I've got some uh, some numbers just to support where we're at yeah. right now. Um, I don't know if people understand. I, I actually look for updated uh, an updated report. And I, there's a Lifeway report from 2022 that shows, and I'm going to say some numbers. Some of you are going to 
you know, I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you got a pen or pencil, write it down. I'm not giving the, I don't have these notes to give. I may put them together at some point. You're going to have to watch this again if you care about these uh, numbers. Um, and if you're one of those, one of those people, and that's okay. But <clears throat> so the growth of all religions is at a 1.27% growth rate. This is not a big number right here. Non-religionists are growing at a 0.52%. Main thing you should know is that more people are trending towards religion than away from. Was that a, was that twice as many? Did I get that? Did I get 1. that? 1.27%, more than twice. More than uh, twice. But so atheism, which looks like it's flourishing, has is an almost stagnant 0.18%. Not 18%, 0.18% growth. Yeah, that's a huge... Um, that's, that's yeah. a huge that's very tiny compared, very tiny compared yeah. to the growth of the. Okay, wow. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com/give. Now back to the show. So, for instance, in 1970, there was 165 million atheists in the world. Okay, say that one more time. 1970, 165 million atheists. 165 million. 2022, there's 147 million atheists. So, and that put against 8 billion people now, that's a massive drop in percentage of atheists. So, so it's actually a drop. I don't know how they have that this percentage growth. I guess maybe per year it's happening, but there's actually, yeah, population. Yeah, but I mean, if you just take the, took the number of atheists that now exist, that's up against 8 billion souls on the earth. There was 160, and there was probably almost six billion at that time, or something. That's a huge drop. It's, it's not that there was 147. There's now 165. It's the other way around. Yeah. There was 165, and it's now 147. Yeah, and it's a, and again, that's a, up against a massively grown population since that last one. So the, the, the percentage so, is way down. And the Gordon Conwell Center also confirms uh, these 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 numbers. Now, in the United States, there's um, there's an overall drop in, in Christian in, uh, you know, 78%, let's say in 19, I'm going to have a do a lot of numbers. So I'm going to go kind of yeah, quick on, on them sure. and I'll point out the ones that are most important, but I'm just going to read some uh, quickly. Those that call themselves Christians in the United States has dropped um, from 78% to 63% in the last uh, 15 years. And so that's a significant drop. Uh, but, Globally, there are now uh, 2.56 billion Christians. Wow. And by Christians are saying those who say they follow Jesus Christ. And so that doesn't mean every one of them um, would be, you know. Not necessarily equally devoted to the Lord as each other. Yeah. So what that means, though, is one third of the population, one in three, say I follow Jesus Christ. Wow. So you're wondering about this rock. How could it fill the whole earth? So one in three already already there. By the year 2050, not that far, there will be 3.33 billion people on planet Earth to say, I follow Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so you see the trend, the tendency yeah. by far the fastest growing. It's growing faster than the population. Um, Africa is exploding. Over 50% of the continent of Africa is now Christian. Really? They wow. will be, by 2050, there will be 1.3 billion 
Christians in Africa. Uh, Latin America, there will be 686 million. There is, again, in United States, Europe, North America, there's decrease, but um, these other places are ex are exploding. So one third of the population is Christian. Um, charismatic Christians, which is a big deal because that's charismatic Christians, for those who don't know, those who will prioritize the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so um, in, in, in the year in the year 1900, this is from this study. In the year 1900, there was less than 1 million spirit-filled believers globally. Now, for people to understand, that means less than 1 million, those that say, I speak in tongues, I believe in signs and wonders, the power of God to heal, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, less than 1 million <clears throat> globally. And by 2050, there will be over 1 billion so 1 million, 1900, now 1 billion, there's 700 million spirit-filled believers. Close to one in every 10 people on the planet say, I'm a spirit-filled believer. Now, that's a big deal because the Holy Spirit is, I mean, look at time as I'm going through this. We'll pick some, I can't even find my watch here. Let's see. There we go. The Holy Spirit is, you know, it's a God mole uh, by that. The Holy Spirit is so much better than just a right position on theology. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, when he's received, he is received, in, in, particularly in Africa and South America, there's all kinds of syncretism. There's all kinds of churches that are receiving the Holy Spirit, but still it's attached and connected to other things. But here's the deal about the Holy Spirit. When he's received, he begins to work. He begins to be the spirit of truth. He begins to expose um, that which is is not right, that which is not good. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And... So let me run through some um, some more numbers. Since um, since 1900, Steve, the spirit-filled church has grown at four times the growth rate of both Christianity in general, four times the growth rate of Christianity in general, and four times the world population since 1900. Since the Azusa Street outpouring, since there was a, there was an Asbury um, outpouring, then Wales it went at many places and. Um, since that outpouring there, the spirit filled community is growing at four times the rate of the world population. Wow. Wow. That's huge. So, and what was different in 1900, 95% of Christians of all Christians lived in majority Christian nations. Okay. 95% were in a nation that that's a Christian nation. Now 50%. It's a little over half of Christians now actually are believers in in non-Christian nations. Like Hinduism in those na China. nations, Buddhism, China, Middle uh, East, and it means, nations. It means it's Christianity that's advancing in an adverse climate. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's good. So as opposed to the other, where it was convenient, it's almost the peer pressure to be a Christian. It means this. it's not just that there's more believers. There's a different type of believer forming. And that's one that's willing to take more heat. Um, and in that, um, so, you know, there's the last the last 10 year period, um, there's been one point six million Christian martyrs. Uh, that comes out to one hundred and sixty thousand per year. It's actually down from a rate that is that has been before. Um, and 
the open doors had a study that showed there was a, a, a jump in 2021. But so 1.6 million Christian martyrs globally. Um, but there was another uh, report, CBN News, that said the pandemic pandemic caused uh, out of that study that 181 million Americans said that it caused them to increase, have increased spiritual hunger and that uh, millions opened the Bible for the first time that many had stopped reading. So there's, we're talking about revival that's taking place at the beginning. We're talking with Nathan about that. And there's this thing that I believe is going to go global at a whole nother level. But even when we weren't seeing it, even when our eyes are on what the enemy was doing, for instance, these three COVID years, pandemic years, 150, it's a minimum of 150 million people have given their life to Jesus worldwide. Wow. So that's 150 million. There's just one one group, Walt Wilson's Global Media, see what it's called, Global Media Outreach. They have 6,000 online um, evangelists that really target the 1040 window, kind of difficult areas. Yeah. Yeah. And they do follow up. It's not just a prayer, but it's it's follow up so that it's it's nailed down as being legit. They they have one hundred and forty eight million decisions for Christ in the past 11 years. If you work it out, that comes out to thirty eight thousand a day coming mm. to Christ through that one group. Through so that one group wow. that nobody knows the exact number. It's every day right now. One hundred thousand to 200,000 are coming to the Lord. That's how many more believers every day, a hundred to 200,000. And um, the reason nobody really knows, because China, you know, there's an estimate anywhere from, I think, 70 million to 300 million, how many believers there could actually be there. The state doesn't want to report it for sure, but it's on fire. Um, Iran is the most on fire evangelistic nation in 1970, they had an estimated 500 total believers. Really? And now there's different ones, but they're all in the millions. The lowest is like 1 million and there may be 7 million. Afghanistan's on fire. All these really? places that it seemed like um, it's not conducive. It's definitely not Western Christianity. It's not Western um, a culture or anything else like that, but the kingdom. We're, what I'm trying to say is, we're seeing what Daniel said. This kingdom started with Jesus, and and it wasn't even one percent of the population, not even near one percent of uh, of Christian population was even spirit filled in 1900. That's why I say we're going to this third day now, where he's now got this. He's he's revived us. We got the Holy Spirit component. Now there's been a gavel, a ruling, a reminder, hey, kingdom, 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 take my ways, arise, shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, run with it, go with it. That's why the enemy wants to war us over the narrative, I call it eschatology end times, and get you following something that has us diminishing, dying out. It has you thinking that the world is being taken over by the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet. They've been trying to kill us. The Antichrist has been trying to kill us. They've been trying to kill us with a big pharma, through wars, through banking systems, through despite the fact that we haven't even really shown up in the areas we're supposed to show up with light. Despite that, the kingdom of God is surely advancing exponentially across the whole planet. And imagine, imagine, imagine 
maybe this might be my final point as we go here. What, what would happen if we would just attach our salvation to a better narrative? What if we could eliminate this narrative? And, I'm, and it's not so much trying to eliminate a narrative as bring in the new one. Bring in the kingdom narrative. What if people got saved to Daniel's, Daniel's narrative that's laid out for us? You're now part of a kingdom that is to increase, increase, increase until it crushes so all other dominions. Can you imagine if someone raised their hand, not just, whew, I'm safe now forever, but actually like, oh, I got to find my place. I got to find my place of influence. I got to find my place of being salt and light because we don't lack people. We don't lack people. We are the largest majority on the planet by a long shot. Christians are. Spirit-filled Christians are increasingly um, uh, so. So we we want to, um, okay, last thing I think, even though there's so much more we pick up on Monday, but I wanted to address the different nature of a typical 1900 believer as opposed to a 2022 believer. And I know we, we, we're ad- addressing the fact that there's a problem with believers in 2022, but here's the deal. Believers in 1900 were less open to the Holy Spirit by far, uh, almost total. Again, more than 99% of all believers, Holy Spirit was not even hardly in the conversation. Mm-hmm. It, it, or, you know, like saying, hallelujah, I'm the Holy Spirit. It was not the person. You didn't receive him. Presence, power. None of that was what, so there was um, the 1900 typical believer, totally close to women in any kind of leadership. So women were disempowered um, almost totally. There was, you know, the exceptions would be in some charismatic thing that would, some spirit-filled thing that would uh, break out and they would have to go against uh, the machoism within the church, resident within the church. Um, Races were separated you have to understand 1900 races were separated and the church wanted it. So women couldn't vote. They couldn't own property. They couldn't divorce. Well, they had just started to vote right then. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't keep their income. They couldn't work out without their husband. And the church was for all that. The church was for mm. that. Wow. The church was not for freedom. The church was not for women empowered. The church was not for the believer being empowered. It was for listening to the guy at the top, and making sure you give your money. So we still have residue of that problem now, but it is a, it's not just that, um, you know, the numbers were back then that there was one in 34 that were born again in 1900, and now we're one in three. So you can see the progression of numbers is immense, but what Mm -hmm. if we actually were not just spectators? What if we actually became players like never before? So it's it's I, I that was just to give a, a, a good report on yeah, revivals happening and 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 there is an awakening now, particularly these other continents where believers are 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 learning as never before. You can't just be salt, you can't be a saltless believer, you can't just be about your personal salvation. You have to participate, you have to bring it into society. The reason us personally in our ministry. We are, uh, it's really exploding in people asking us and Christians asking us to help train people for government, help train people for the seven mountains, because there's an understanding we missed, we missed the cue, we missed the assignment. This kingdom is supposed to keep progressing until it fills the whole earth. Like 
We're trying to keep it really simple. Forget if you know if it's partial this, full that, historic this, or whatever. The kingdom is supposed to fill the whole earth. Really good. Back to 2.14, the whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And he wants to do with us. The judgment is made on behalf of the saints of the most, most high God. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll so good, Johnny. Now, I, I forgot to tell you, uh, I know we're closing right now. Anyway, I actually have to run because I forgot a Zoom call that I have to do at one. I got to grab a bite to eat here, one o'clock our time. So, Johnny, very, very, very good. Um, uh, we bless everyone. We just pray for his blessing over you and, and over this message. It's very, very powerful. God bless you. Now, we're going to pick this up on Monday, right? You're going to be on the next time, and we can yes. from there. So. And, and yes, and we have kind of the next line of encouragement that goes with it and part of understanding what's going on in our society right now connected with it. So good. Uh, now, Johnny, as we leave, and I'll say this to you because we're online, is I can't linger this time like we do in Easy Talk. I'm going to go to rent. So God bless you, everyone. Have a great weekend. This is so good, Johnny. I very, very, very good. I'm, uh, I'm full and overflowing with good stuff. So, All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Thank you again, Johnny, and give our love to Elizabeth as well. Have a good weekend. We'll see you all on Monday. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.